It's Monday, November 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio, noted Baltimore Ravens fan Lions George and from Fool.com, Taylor Muckerman. Gentlemen, happy Monday. What is up? How you doing, Mark? <laughs> Not a bad Ravens game this weekend. It was uh, always eventful. <laughs> Every always single exciting. one. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got plenty to get to today, including the new Disney-Netflix deal and my favorite Chinese holiday. But the big story is Amazon's announcement that it's partnering with the U.S. Postal Service to begin delivering Amazon orders on Sundays. Guys, mail on Sundays? Has the world gone mad? I mean, as everyone who watched uh, Harry Potter as a child knows, there is no post on Sundays. So this really this is a sign of the apocalypse, I think. <laughs> oh, it might be an avoidance of the apocalypse for the U.S. Postal Service. I mean, they, lo- they lost $16 billion last year. Is this what saves them? Um, it could. You know, Bezos went from the post to the post office. Uh, so, you know, they're only expected to lose $6 billion this year. So it <laughs> seems like they might be turning the tide themselves. But uh, with... You know, almost $4 billion in cash for Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one day with all the synergies they work out through this deal, uh, they did talk about similarities between the technology that they use to ship and what the USPS uses to ship, which is why they chose that, that organization over FedEx or UPS uh, for their Sunday delivery. So uh, maybe one day this partnership continues to grow. And, uh, you know, with their Kiva uh, acquisition back in 2012, I think that their distribution centers run like a well-oiled machine. So uh, with their efficiency, I think they could maybe offer a lot, maybe even as a consultancy to USPS one day. Hmm. Just as a side note, talk about Bezos as like a champion of dying business no or causes, right? I mean, new, right. from newspapers to the Postal Service, you're going to take on like an airline next? Is that, is that, but, but I do think, uh, you know, uh, sort of the higher ups at the post office have suggested that we're going to work with other sort of e-commerce outfits going forward hmm. and you know, this is definitely testing out a, a new model. If they can, now the post office has been pushing Congress to sort of unburden them of, of some of the problems with their business right now. Specifically, uh, they don't want to deliver on Saturdays and they, they want to raise the price of stamps. Right. So, you know, two or three of those things happen. Maybe maybe the big, the hot tip here is invest in the postal service, you know? <laughs> I don't think that anyone's ever yeah. said those words. Yeah, do before. not invest in, the, that's not possible, but if it is, don't. <laughs> well, I guess as a taxpayer, we're kind of already investing, that's unfortunately. True. That's true. Um, but you look at, the packaging side of the USPS is w- one of the small areas that actually makes money. So mm. uh, this this extension here could certainly help them out if other people see and and w- realize the true potential of this if it if it does come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of packaging, what does this mean for FedEx and UPS? Neither of which deliver on Sundays, by the way. Ah, uh, well, they're probably going to lose out a little bit on Mondays because mm. uh, you can't you can't specify Sunday delivery. It's just you know if it's ready. Uh, so in the queue, generally Mondays is a big day because they have that buildup over the weekend. So uh, they they are likely to lose out, especially because they're targeting the major metropolitan areas with New York and L.A. now, right. uh, Dallas, Houston, Phoenix, and uh, New Orleans, I think, next year. So those are some pretty big markets, and if they lose out on those Monday packaging, uh, it, it could be a, a small dent in their overall top and bottom lines. Hmm. It's also just a way of Amazon sort of uh, flexing yeah, in, exactly. in front of its business partners and right. just saying, you know, hey, um, much the way uh, Google did with Google Fiber, going into small towns and mm-hmm. making the internet better, and sort of telling you know the cable companies make your internet faster, or we're going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just showing uh, FedEx and UPS, look, we're willing to work with sort of outside the regular lanes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you guys are going to sort of learn to work that way too. Mm-hmm. So in, in the long run, I think it's just a, a a massive win for Amazon and probably a little bit of a shakeup for all their 
complementary businesses. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know the percentage of revenue from FedEx and UPS that Amazon accounts for, but mm. I can assume it's a decent amount enough to where uh, maybe U- UPS and FedEx start making c- some concessions in order to get this business back right. from uh, from USPS. Right. That's a great point. All right. Uh, late last week, Disney announced that it was partnering with Netflix to produce four new shows and a mini series. Beginning in 2015, we'll see characters like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage on our screens. The mini series will be called The Defenders. Mm-hmm. How's this going to stack up to The Avengers? Well, it, it'll probably stack up great because it rhymes, you know, uh, Avengers uh, and Defenders. So it really rolls off it's the tongue. Huge. Can yes. I ask, do any of you guys know those characters aside from Daredevil? Have you heard of them? Uh, I, uh, have. I have not, no. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a comic book guy. I've definitely heard of them. I'll admit it on air. I don't care. Okay. Yeah. But do they have, I mean, uh, I'm a sort of comic book guy. They don't have the same broad appeal that all the characters that went into the Avengers do, right? Right. They really, they're, they're not the, the mainstays of the Marvel Universe. And they're, they're popular characters. Like you said, we all know Daredevil, mm-hmm. but probably because of the movie. Mm-hmm. The, what was it, Ben Affleck? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a... Who's th- probably looking for work. I mean, I'm sure he could... <laughs> yeah, this could be the next... Ben Affleck on Netflix. Yeah, I like yeah. it. I'm a buy. Yeah. Um, so who wins bigger here, Disney or Netflix? I have to say absolutely Disney. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think Disney is using... Essentially, uh, uh, Bob Iger had some sort of quote, uh, you know, in the Times. He, he was just saying, "There's only we're already sort of overweighted with Marvel characters on regular television. There's only so much uh, superhero content we can push out on those platforms. Mm-hmm. So essentially, this is like our our our, uh, our flex platform that we're using. <laughs> you know, and yeah. we're this is like a little a, a petri dish, right? You know, Netflix. We're, we're, and they're using it to test out their model, right? So mm-hmm. the idea of you know shows that sort of are operating and separate arenas and then converge in one mega show mm-hmm. and, and and so you know I, theoretically the content will be high quality you certainly hope so yeah. uh, but you can tell what what disney's really focused on is, is this uh, as a business model and, and i think that's kind of to the disadvantage of netflix because i don't know they're getting used a little bit right fair enough i do think yeah disney uh, probably the the leading uh, gainer out of this deal but you know Netflix also, they're bringing more of a cult following in, I think, with this in 2000, was it 15 they're going to start these shows? Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas when they try to start their own new shows like House of Cards, yes, they've done very well, but they didn't initially have a following with these shows. They're going to be bringing people in, maybe new subscribers. Uh, Definitely Netflix has the growth internationally that Disney might be looking for with this uh, this series. So Mm -hmm. um, four four shows, right? And then the ultimate Defenders show after that. So uh, yeah, it could be a big thing for them. Have you guys seen Thor 2 yet? I have not, no. Oh, you're missing out. I may or may not have seen Thor 2. Uh-huh. No comment. Uh-huh. No comment. <laughs> Meanwhile, in PR nightmare news, Lululemon founder Chip Wilson put his foot in his mouth earlier last week. And when he said that, and I quote, quite frankly, some women's bodies just actually don't work in reference to Lululemon's yoga pants. Uh, how is this going to affect Lululemon? You know, I don't know. It seems like they have a big enough following. Uh, you have to cringe as a shareholder, which I am not. Mm. But um, I just don't see how you could allow this guy. Yeah, he's not with the company anymore. Apparently, he's too rich to run his own company <laughs> uh, straight from his, his horse's mouth. Right. Um, but, yeah, I just would lose all confidence in ever seeing this guy on the news or 
anywhere else because he wasn't even talking about Lululemon mm-hmm. during this interview. Uh, so you just have to wonder how he arrived at this point and if anyone will ever let him arrive at this point again. <laughs> and on top of the uh, the see-through yoga pants yes. scandal from earlier last year, this year, this is uh, Lululemon's running into some troubles here. Um, speaking of CEOs, Mike Jeffries put his foot in his mouth a while back. Uh, should these companies even let these CEOs on air and speak for them? I, I mean, after you give them, uh, yeah, some CEOs will put their foot in their mouth occasionally, but these two guys are putting it in their epic proportion. It's like down the throat, and they're digesting it at this point. Right. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, as, as as a chairman or a board of directors, I would never let this person hold a microphone and ever it's a, again. It's a double-edged sword, you know. I mean, some CEOs are really great at going out there and sort of pounding the table on their company. You look at a guy like Elon Musk with Tesla. Mm. You know, New York Times reviews the Model S and pans it. He's going to be on Twitter, and he, he's going to turn public opinion. But when you have, you know, people affiliated with your brand that are out there turning public opinion in the wrong direction, mm. uh, you know, that, that's a huge liability. It's also, you know, this guy's interview. Talk about people's bodies not working. His mouth must not work. So that's like the dumbest thing. <laughs> I mean, that, that is preposterous. But um, it, it's exemplary to me of just the how some founders, you know, the the company outgrows them, mm. and, and they're no longer appropriate uh, as a, a you know a, a spokesperson right. f- for the brand. You, you see that with sort of Jack Dorsey in Twitter. Mm. He was a guy who really brought Twitter to fruition, but then at a certain point, he wasn't the guy to uh, to represent it. Right. And um, this is. Very, very much the case with uh, with the gentleman founder of Lululemon. So, well, they, they might exceed in entrepreneurialism. They certainly lack in emotional intelligence. Right. So, you kind of have to once you get out of that initial growth phase. While these companies are still growing, uh, you, you need someone with the capabilities of being a manager to step in um, and and let Jack Dorsey go start Foursquare or yeah. something along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah. Give him his money, let him go start something else, and then and then. Uh, let somebody cognizant take over. And also say just Lulu is a brand. You know, I I think um, what it is now is very different from what it was when it was founded. I looked into it pretty pretty extensively and and, and they're uh, from sort of like how they manage and how they treat their employees to, you know, product design and sort of how they think about um, what they're actually making and who they're making it for. It's a very much um, like by women, for women kind of brand. Right. Um, And and I don't think, uh, I don't think those stupid statements uh, do much to diminish that culture. Right. So yeah, the departing CEO probably is pretty happy that she's leaving this company. <laughs> she's saying sorry. Yeah. Right. All right. Before we get to our last story, last Monday, I asked what your favorite Pop-Tarts flavors were. You were here, Taylor. Uh, lines missed out. Uh, we actually got quite a few tweets from our dozens of listeners about the subject. I thought it might be a good idea to go over a few and see how wrong they were. For instance, Should we give Lions a quick shout-out to uh, oh yeah, what's his point. favorite flavor? Lions, favorite Pop-Tart flavor. I'm going to go a little maverick here. I actually like uh, toaster strudels. I don't know oh, if you guys remember those. Okay, all right. It does count. No, it absolutely counts. Uh-huh. It's, like a, it's, a, it's like the cronut of the, of the Pop-Tart. <laughs> Fair world. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. It's a delicacy. <laughs> cronut shout-out. I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of shout-outs, Aisha on Twitter said, The classic Pop-Tart is strawberry with icing. Just thought I'd clear that up for you. Brown sugar and cinnamon? Ha! That's that's incorrect. I feel like that's the classic, right? Brown sugar and I cinnamon. Mean, it was the original. Yeah, with yeah. a little little butter on top. 
Mail. A little butter there we go. We didn't talk about that, but that sounds fantastic. Speaking of which, Brent Summers said the dozens of listeners can use the online Pop-Tart Finder to locate favorite flavors, which is absolutely something I'm going to do later up. today. Is that an mobile, app? There's a mobile app, yeah. <laughs> uh, he also went on to say, just spread butter on unfrosted ones. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. not so sure about that. Great I'm, uh, minds think butter. Is what <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're getting how, at. how American of you. Uh, last but certainly not least, you missed the best Pop-Tart today. This is from Jennifer, by the way. There is a new pumpkin pie Pop-Tart. Mm. Amazing! I'm just going to throw a flag on the field. That's seasonal. That's obviously a seasonal flavor. Right. It's like saying eggnog is your favorite cocktail. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Taking doesn't the count. page out of the Starbucks playbook right, right there. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm trying a pumpkin pie flavored la- uh, Pop-Tart. Alright, uh, last but certainly not least, today is Veterans Day in here in the United States, and of course we wanted to acknowledge all the sacrifices made by members of the armed forces and thank them for their service. But over in China, today is a holiday by a different name, Singles Day. Begun as a protest to Valentine's Day, Singles Day is a celebration of all things single people. (laughs) And it's now one of the biggest online shopping days in the world. First and foremost, are you guys celebrating Singles Day? I am not, no, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, I unfortunately. Have, I have been <laughs> celebrating Singles Day for about five or six years now. Right, so, yeah. right. <laughs> so who's, who's winning besides all the lonely people out there? Who's making all the, the money from the lonely folks out there besides the knitting companies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the cat calendar companies. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, those are huge. I'm a big buyer of those. Well, you'd have to imagine Alibaba's doing pretty well off that, right? Right, absolutely. In the transition to Yahoo since they're kind of uh, – a venture capital fund, I guess, in that regard. They're investing in small Chinese, well, not small anymore, but emerging Chinese uh, e-commerce sites. So mm. uh, they decided to hold on to more shares. If this holiday grows to more of Southeast Asian net countries, who knows? I mean, Yahoo could be worth a lot more than it is right now. Are we going to start celebrating Singles Day here in the United States anytime soon? Why not? I mean, online <laughs> online the e-commerce the relationship is, is saying why not? Why not? I mean, I mean come the, on. the Valentine's Day lobbying is just too powerful. You right. know, sure. those Hallmark, people are vicious. Yeah. Those people, yeah, you can't get around them. <laughs> Probably not on the same day as Veterans Day, but it right. could, it could emerge as the new. Uh, I don't know what's an obscure holiday we celebrate here in the United States. There seems to <laughs> be one every Arbor day. day. Quite frankly, <laughs> Who needs Columbus trees? Day. Right yeah, there, we right. go. Columbus Day is pretty pretty dated at this point. All right. Lions George, Taylor Muckerman. Guys, thanks for being here. Indeed. Thanks for the fun. Thank you. As always, people on this program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the incredibly awesome Ann Henry. What, what? I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.